2: Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 116 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. And I want to remind you that new full-length episodes of the Mistress Carrie podcast come out every Wednesday. And if you follow and subscribe to the podcast, you also get the sit rep. The Situation Report has all your rock news, music headlines, and industry info, and it's all in five minutes, and it comes out every weekday. This week, my guest is Giovanni Yanez, the lead singer of the band Giovanni and the Hired Guns, the latest rock band to start making noise out of Texas. Recently, the band celebrated their first number one rock song with the single Ramon Ayala and the band's out on the road. So they thought while they were driving around LA heading to the beach to enjoy the weather and see the ocean that Giovanni would call and catch me up on what's going on with the band. And while the tour bus was making noise, pulling into the parking lot, we talked about a lot. Songwriting, song inspiration, growing up listening to his parents' Tejano music, barbecues, We got into a little argument about pizza toppings and also the inspiration of the Hut for Teacher video from Van Halen, his love of the Dallas Cowboys, and a lot more. Some people say Rock is dead and they are wrong. Here's an example of the next generation of Rock. I think you're going to love these guys. So allow me to introduce you to Giovanni Yanez from Giovanni and the Hired Guns.
4: Mistress Carrie! What's up, this is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi everybody, this is Dave Grohl from the Blue Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only
2: Giovanni, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having
4: me. Thank you so much for having me.
2: I feel like I've heard Ramon Ayala so many times. I feel like I know you because the song is just out of control.
4: Yeah, it's it's insane what's going on with that song right now.
2: Where are you? I got to start it that way because anytime I interview bands, it's like I, I can never keep track of you guys.
4: We are on our way. We're off today in Los Angeles, so we're on our way to, we're, we're on our way to a uh, Maria del Mar or something like that. So we're on our way to the boardwalk to go check that out—the beach and everything. So.
2: Is that why you're wearing an LA hat? Are you just trying That's to why. fit in?
4: I'm trying to fit in here, yeah. Or are you a real
2: is. LA fan?
4: No, Rangers <laughs> and Dallas Cowboys are my team. Okay. Yeah.
2: I had a feeling the Cowboys was going to be your answer. You're you're oh, sitting yeah. smack dab in Patriots Nation right now, so.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: It's all right. We won't fight about it too much.
4: Yeah, it's okay, you know.
2: It's whatever. So, you guys have been a band for a few years now, and it feels like all of a sudden everybody knows who you are. How are you handling this?
4: <laughs> it's kind of a, uh, it's not. I would say it's weird, but I don't know, it is weird. It's kinda it is weird. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's insane. Yeah, that's the only way I can describe it is it's surreal at moments. It's like I don't know, sometimes people freak out to take a picture with me and I'm it's like, What it's okay, like, you know. I'm just a person. I'm a human being, just like you.
2: <laughs> well, speaking of freaking out in pictures, I saw the picture you took with Perry Farrell at Lollapalooza. That
4: was cool, right? That was, yes, yes. He was a crazy. He's, he's a cool dude for sure. He was really awesome,
2: and way ahead of his time too, with Lollapalooza oh, wow. and all of that being around for so long.
4: Yes. So that was really awesome. That was really insane. So. Yeah.
2: For anybody that doesn't know the band, do you mind if we kind of go back to the beginning a little bit?
4: Absolutely.
2: All right, so where exactly are you from?
4: I'm from the I'm from a town called Lipan, Texas. It's a little bitty town. I graduated with a group of like 14 people in my class. Yeah. And uh yeah, then I progressed to go to Stephenville. I grew up there in Stephenville and that's where I found all my buddies that are on the road with me, so,
2: yeah. If I were going to come to your itty-bitty hometown where where you were born, uh-huh. where would you take me? Like, what is there to do there?
4: Backroading is what we call it. Just load up with some friends, roll your windows down, jam some music, drink a couple beers. It's in, You're in the country. Nobody knows that. Just, whatever, you know? It's a thing. It's a thing. Backroading is a thing.
2: What about uh, what about to eat? Because I, I always talk to bands about food because you guys are some of the most well-traveled people in the world. So if you're going to take yeah. me to your hometown, what are we eating?
4: We're gonna, I'm going to take you directly to my mom's house. She's going to whip something up, you know? <laughs> Nobody
2: cooks better than mom.
4: Nobody cooks better than mom. No, no, no.
2: As the band gets bigger, you might have to put her on the payroll and have her tour with hey. you guys to cook.
4: I'd love that. That'd be so awesome. That'd be so awesome.
2: Well, I have a theory about music, speaking of your mom, that there's two eras in your musical upbringing. There's the music that you're surrounded by. I call it the soundtrack of your childhood that your parents introduce you to. Yeah. And then there's a day that you hear something and go, oh, wait, I like that. That's mine. So what was the soundtrack of your upbringing? What music was on at home that you remember listening to as a kid?
4: Lots of Norteña songs. Lots of, uh, you know, Ramon Ayala, uh, Los Garcia Rose. A lot of Tejano bands were always on the station or whatever. Um, Lots of uh, my dad for Christmas uh, gave me a ACDC CD. It was back in black. And after that, I got Dirty Deeds, and then he gave me a Stevie Ray Vaughan CD for one of my birthdays. And so it was just kind of like that. And then eventually, I got to hang out with my uncles. like They're my best older brothers. And they listen to Deftones, Sit System of a Down, which is my all-time favorite band. And uh, yeah, so that's those, all that is, my childhood and I feel like we kind of give off that style in our music you know
2: for anybody that doesn't know what Tejano music is can you describe it
4: it is like polka music but a more fun polka music with some sad uh you know it could they could be sad or they're just what we call alegre which means you know like cheerful joyful you know song so yeah they're awesome. Everybody should definitely check Norteño's songs, the Hano songs out. I guarantee you, you'll, you can't not not move, you know?
2: Combining that with System of a Down is a pretty interesting way to describe Giovanni and the Hired Guns.
4: <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs>
2: so when you started getting into rock music, right, you get exposed to ACDC, and it just kind of blows the doors off of everything. Do you already play an instrument? Does musical ability run in the family? Where does it come from?
4: Well, yeah, my uncles, they had this uh, Norteña band called uh, uh, Norte Impacto is what their group was called. And I always saw them go. My uncle, Javier, he played the accordion. He would sing. And, you know, seeing that, you're like, wow, and the stories that they tell you and then I learned on one of his classical guitars that he left at the house. It was just an old one. I restrung it. And I learned by reading a book that one of my uncles left at, a, at my grandma's. I have young uncles. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yes, they were going to college, and he was taking, like, a guitar class or something. And he left his book, and, yeah, that's where it all started.
2: Do you still have that guitar?
4: I do. I do so have that guitar. Yes. Do you Guess still do.
2: play it or is it something you just kind of set aside now that you got access to nicer guitars?
4: Yes. Yes. Now, I mean, I think that was a $125 honer, honer, however you say it, guitar that, yeah, I just bought it at a local music shop. It was so awesome. My grandpa took me and I thought it was the coolest thing ever, me being able to buy my own guitar. So, yeah. When
2: Pretty you started cool. learning from the book and you started trying to learn, you know, riffs, was it, yeah. was it an Angus riff that you started to master? What was the first song you remember being able to play? Smoke on the Water. Of course.
4: Of course, right? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was the very first, yeah, that was the very first one was Smoke on the Water. It was something easy. And then after that, I really didn't dig into like shredding. I always wanted to, but I never did. And then at this time in my life, when I started, almost graduated high school, I was listening to a lot of, uh, uh, like Randy Rogers, which is these bands in Texas that are around me, like Randy Rogers, uh Cross and Ragley, they're from Oklahoma, but they were all like this local thing, and I would listen to them all the time. So I took kind of the songwriter aspect instead of the shreddiness of it all. And I just started writing songs.
2: That's when you started writing songs? Or were you always writing as a kid? Did you keep a journal? Was it something yeah. that you used as a creative outlet?
4: No. that I mean, not until, you know, you get your first breakup or something happened. You know what I mean? That's when I first started to really dig into that. Like something traumatic happened, you know, or something. And that's when I was like... Okay, and then you dig a little deeper and you know, you face problems in your life, and that's my outlet to you know, me dealing with my own thing, my own personal demons. Cause I know people probably face the same demons I face, and why not write it down and broadcast it to everybody? So
2: I have a long running theory about rock and roll that it wouldn't exist if women weren't bitches. <laughs>
4: Hey, Led Zeppelin said it best. The soul of a woman was created below. So, hey, you know.
2: You're welcome. (laughs) We inspired the genre. You're welcome.
4: Yes, yes. I love it.
2: So when you are in, say, high school. Yeah. And you're in the garage playing Smoke on the Water. (laughs) When do you realize that, like, okay, I want to put a band together. Like, I want to start doing this. And what was the reaction of the family when you were like, I want to put a rock band together?
4: Yeah, I think it started, one of my buddies, he was, uh, his name is Billy Hartman. He he was in high school with me, and he was older than I was. And he had this band, a little rock band, and we had, like, a talent show. And I was just like, I need a band, you know? Like, that's so cool. And it was he was really nice, and... He let me borrow his drummer, one of my buddies from class, played guitar. You know, we all liked that rock sound. It just kind of happened. And then it kind of, uh, you know, you go through high school and things happen with girls and whatever. And then I graduated and started writing songs. And I didn't have a band after high school. And I went to this bar called Boss Socks in Stephenville. And that's where I I started uh you know broad or playing some of my songs and yeah that's where it started and it it, the whole rock band thing it kind of just happened out of nowhere like i never asked my guys to play this way or to play that way or whatever it may be sorry that this is really noisy and uh
2: You're, like, getting bounced around on the tour bus right now. I
4: don't know what the hell is going on.
2: I feel like I should be singing that little kid song, The People on the Bus Go Up and Down, because you're just getting tossed all over the
4: place. (laughs) I don't know what we're doing in this small-ass parking lot right now, but, hey, you know, it happens. But, yeah, and then, you know, I never ask my guys to play this way or do that. I just want them to be themselves, and playing a little heavier is awesome. I love it. I personally love it. So, I think we all have the same mind in a, in a way of because we've all listened to the same music growing up. So we can all agree on something, which is awesome.
2: Getty Lee from Rush recently did an interview where he said nobody starts playing the bass. You just eventually get in a band with too many guitar players and they say, okay, you're the bass player now. And that's how he started playing bass. That's how Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow. Is that what happened to you guys too?
4: Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Now you're gonna play this. Now you play that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So well.
2: when you when you get the hired guns together, you guys start working on these song ideas. When does it go from being something you guys are just kind of doing to you know screw around and and have as a hobby to something where you started playing gigs and thought, wait, this might this might be something.
4: It's all. I don't know if I can explain that. It's still, it's like, it's really surreal. Like, it's amazing. And I don't know if I can wrap my head around it yet, that people come out and they spend their hard-working money, especially in these times. And they come watch five goofy asses on stage. Like, it amaz- it's awesome. Like, it makes me feel so good that They feel good because they obviously come and watch us. They pay their money. They do whatever. And then they go home, and I hope they talk about it. I hope they remember it the next day and so on. I hope they don't forget about it. you are just like, oh, my God. So we've always played with heart. Like, we've always played with heart. And it doesn't matter if we have 10 people or 10,000 people in there. We're going to play the exact same show every single time because we get lucky to do this every single day. Like we could have it so much worse, and we're going. We get to make people happy, and so I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah, it's a. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to how to take it in honestly. Yeah.
2: Well, when when did you go from being a band that was having a good time to the to the record deal? Like, talk to me cool. about when you went from. Hobby musicians to quote unquote professional musicians. Right. Um.
4: Maybe a year ago, I don't know if it was. We haven't got a record deal, but we have a badass management company or manager. Should I say his name's Griff? He's awesome, and the uh, Crush, Crush is the is a company.
2: And and they manage a lot of big name artists. So it's kind of a big deal to get the attention of a company like that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Which is again, like insane. So yeah, they have, I think, uh, Miley Cyrus, Green Day, fallout boy, Weezer, all these guys. And it's just, it's awesome to be a part of a roster like that. So for sure.
2: I've been in rock music a long time and it always happens every few years that the naysayers are like, rock is dead. They were saying it in the 90s when new metal was at its height, that rock is dead, rock is dead. And it seems like lately what is coming out of rock music is this blending of styles. It seems like there are all of these artists that you wouldn't, Think would be traditional rock artists. There are so many women making amazing music. You talk to a guy like Aaron Jones, that's like combining hip hop and blues and some grunge. And you're talking about your band being like Tohono and System of a Down. Like these are all (laughs) new combinations of rock music. What do you say to somebody that says now rock is dead? Because you're on this next wave of artists that are coming into it.
4: No, rock ain't dead. Rock ain't dead. It's always been here, you know, Uh, and it's not, it's never going to go away. Never, ever, ever, ever. So, you know, whatever.
2: Rock ain't dead. One of the things about rock music is is the coming together of the fans that shared experience what was your first rock concert?
4: My first rock concert probably it was I think it was corn there was this 971 the Eagle festival thing going on and uh, yeah I went to it and it was it was insane it was it was so insane and you just see them and you see the people and you see the lights and the way that they interact with everybody you're just like, Oh, my God. It's Yeah, it's insane. And to know that we're like that to somebody is insane.
2: Well, especially to see a band like Korn where you're not really watching. It's like you get sucked into this experience because it's so loud and thumping that you can't not feel like you've been just sucked into this bubble of
4: energy. 100%. It's a vibe. It's It's a total vibe. It's just yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah.
2: So when you play some of these big festivals, like I know you guys are on like Louder Than Life, and and you're backstage walking around and you're seeing these bands that you grew up listening to. Yeah. Like, how are you? How are you going to handle like bumping into Surge Tankian at a show?
4: Oh, man, Honestly, see, nobody's asking those questions. So it's just be like. I'm probably going to be the guy that like plays the cool. See, but I'll say that now, and then when that when the day comes, I'll be like, "Hey, man, I'm going to take a picture with you, like I do, like I nerd out." <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. If, I don't know. I I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's to be really awesome.
2: Can we talk about about the craft of songwriting? I bring it up all the time on the show because as a music lover and someone that works in the music industry, but that doesn't have a lick of musical ability at all. I'm fascinated by people that can actually do it, that you can sit down and one minute it's nothing. And the next minute you've made a song. Where does the original idea come from for you? Is it a lyric? Is it a melody? Is it a riff? Where where does it come from first?
4: Um, a melody. I, for me, I really like melodies. I think if you have melodies, uh, people will listen more, you know? So when you already have them hooked with that melody, then the words that you have will hit them even more, if that makes any sense, you know? Because sometimes words are just words, but then in other cases, that's not the case. Like, it's not true. Like, how can i explain it um some people like reading books and then some people like watching the movies or something so yeah i feel like yeah yeah they both yeah
2: so how does it work for you do you have to sit down to get into the writing mindset do you get woken up in the middle of the night with an idea like how does it work
4: yeah, I'm not one of those guys that is like, I'm driving by, oh, man, blah, uh, blah, 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 on my phone. Like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not that kind of guy. I, don't, I mean, at least, see, I'm saying that, and, you know, not yet or whatever. I don't know what the future holds, but the way we, we do it is we go into the studio, and it's time to get to work. Like, yeah, we might have all these ideas. Well, yeah, when we go to the studio, we can, you know, our brain will throw up all these ideas of, hey, man, this is whatever. And we'll pick out a melody. I'll go in the booth, strum or whatever. And then I'll just freestyle some lyrics. And sometimes I'll catch an idea off of that, that, you know, that I feel like, oh, man, you know, I'm struggling with that or whatever. And then I'll catch that and I'll just write some stuff to it while the guys are doing their thing in the other room, putting the music together. And then, yeah, I'll ask them if this song sucks or not, and they'll be honest with me. And,
2: Do you keep journals of song lyric ideas, or does it all just come from the process of being in the, the studio? Yeah.
4: Yes. I, yeah. I think my producer has some that I just need a piece of paper to write something down, and I just, I just went off, and he has it framed in his thing. But, no, I don't – I probably should – Honestly, I should probably keep a journal or something, but no, I don't. It's all in this big old noggin.
2: There's only two artists that I've talked to that write the way that you do. Uh-huh. You and Zach Wild. Wow. Everybody wow. else that I talk to either jots down lyrics or does the thing like you're saying, like, like Jerry Cantrell yeah. from Alice in Chains told me that he sings yeah. the riffs into his phone. Yeah. You know, like everybody's process is a little different, yeah. but but I've never in I, I've never talked to anyone else that did the Zach Wilde way, which is until you <laughs> get into that studio, wow. that's how it yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. So could you is it possible for you to write songs without the other guys then? Because they seem like they're an integral part of the process for you.
4: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like absolutely. 100% and I have and I've written songs at home that are just strumming on acoustic guitar and then the guys will put their touch on it so yeah 100%
2: do you like to play acoustic or electric better
4: um I, I like playing electric but everybody likes playing electric you know it's a little more bossier or something you know but here recently I started not playing a guitar and I want to be more of a front man and, uh, you know, do that whole thing. Hey dude, what's
2: up? It seems Uh, like, you know, trying to work two different parts of your brain at the same time, if you're going to be the front man and having to be able to play the guitar and then kind of direct the band and communicate with the crowd, like that seems like a lot to keep track of.
4: Yeah. 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 And I feel like more like whenever it's just me and the mic and the crowd, like, yeah, I put pressure on them. I make, you know, so yeah, for sure. It's awesome. I love, I love it. It's been really, really fun. I've only done it like four shows so far and it's, yeah, I love it.
2: How did you guys react when you get the call that Ramon Ayala went number one? Like, as somebody that that is still trying to navigate this whole thing and haven't played that many shows like how do you even where were you when you found out the song went number one and how did you how did you react
4: I'm pretty sure we were on tour we've been I mean we've always played shows but here recently I mean we've on some big tours and it was insane like it was nuts. It was nuts. It was really nuts. I think I cried. I'm pretty sure I teared up or something like that, you know. But it was it was insane because the odds were totally against us. And, yeah, it was nuts.
2: It shows sure. you how passionate – the rock community is and yes. and and really how welcoming and diverse the rock community is now it, 100%. it's come out so much in all these conversations especially since covid where everybody yes. was stuck at home and we either couldn't go to the concerts to see our favorite bands or the bands couldn't get up in front of their fans and perform that who would have ever thought that like hard rock and heavy metal would be an example of diversity and tolerance in the world when did that happen <laughs>
4: right gosh yeah for sure yeah yeah i call us the
2: land of misfit toys that we don't belong anywhere else but together at the shows
4: i like that i like that because that's how i feel about my band i feel like we're all just little rejects degenerates that just like we can only get along with us like you know like we we say stuff to each other out of love, like I don't know. It's crazy. Like we're we're assholes to each other sometimes. And it's just like, you know.
2: Well, I think that's I think that's a microcosm of the whole like rock community that like we only make sense together. And it's like yeah. family where you're like, look, I get to talk shit about my brother, but I will punch you in the balls if you talk 100%. shit about my brother.
4: One hundred percent. Yes. That's how we roll. One hundred percent. Yes. I can tell I can come stupid, but if he comes stupid, that's it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: Um, when I knew I was going to be talking to you, obviously I was checking out all your social media stuff. Yeah. and it says on Twitter that you like pizza and that you like to. What does it say? Funny things in Spanish on stage. <laughs> yeah. And and I only I took like 3 years of Spanish in school and I literally can only say mayamo carry. So I apologize hey. that my bilingual <laughs> language skills suck.
4: No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I love I'm a pizza man. I love a good pizza nice thin crust well that's pizza. what i was gonna
2: ask like are you a thin crust guy are you a folded in half guy
4: it depends if i'm in the mood i like a nice garlicky thin crust cheesy pizza and because if you get a cheese pizza you can always tell if the, if the next pepperoni or supreme is going to be good because it's cheese and there's sauce so that's all you need it's a good pizza Sometimes, yeah, I want to fold it in half, like a little taco, let the cheese squeeze, whatever, yeah.
2: I feel like this interview is going really well, and I feel like we're about to get in our first fight when I tell you that I like to put pineapple on mine. How do you feel about pineapple? Because it's a huge issue. And I'm Italian, and I like to put pineapple on my pizza. Did we just break up?
4: (laughs) (laughs) That was it, that was it. that was it. That was it.
2: <laughs> what about if I put American bacon on it? Does that make it better? Because that's my favorite.
4: That makes it worse.
2: What? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm kidding, yeah. Sure. Pig pig and and, and pineapple. I mean I think that's a Hawaiian thing. It's good.
2: Yeah, but it's not that Canadian okay. fake bacon, though. I'm talking real American crunchy bacon.
4: Oh, okay. I was thinking you're thinking about the Canadian. No, bacon.
2: I'm talking American crunchy, like.
4: Yeah, I think I think the bacon will cancel out the pineapple, so All that's right. good.
2: So yeah. I'm, f- I'm forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me ask you this question, and there's no wrong answer, but this is a songwriter's question. Because you're a songwriter, and I covet that ability so much because I just can't do it, I want you to give me an example of a song of any genre, any artist, any era, that doesn't matter to me, that you think is a perfect example of songwriting as a craft, and it's so good that you wish you wrote it. But you gotta tell me the song and then you gotta break it down from a songwriter's perspective and tell me why.
4: (laughs) Okay. Um probably probably fuistez mala by Los Cumbia Kings. But song if you haven't heard it, it's not a rock song. But it's a it's a like a cumbia song. Like they take like this rap style and they mix it with cumbia and it's awesome, right? And then the song called The de Mala, it just he just talks about like this heartache, like this girl that's leaving them, right? When I mean, it's all in Spanish, but the the hooks on it, the words that he says, it just it's amazing. Like I don't know if I can describe it deeper into a songwriter's uh, way of breaking it down but yeah What's... lyric wise melody wise vocally wise that song is man it's like... called fuiste mala
2: fuiste mala
4: yeah yes f-u-i-s-t-e space M A L A. Give Probably. me an
2: example of the lyric and break it like like one of your favorite lyrics from the song. But then you're gonna to have to oh, translate the, it because we already we already know I can't speak say yeah. anything but my name.
4: Yeah, no, but it 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 uh the the hook. It says the fuiste con mi corazón. and it just like you know, like like you didn't care that you even left. You just you know, you just grabbed my heart and just took it with like you didn't even it didn't matter anything to you, like you know. And yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. It's a simple a simple little run that he does.
2: See, yeah. it's not just rock and roll. Cumbia wouldn't exist if women weren't bitches either.
4: You're right. Hey, you're
2: right. We've inspired all the great music in the world.
4: <laughs> yes, y'all have, okay? Yes, y'all have.
2: And what's crazy about music and it happens obviously with rock bands that write in English and they go overseas to like Japan or they go to South America where there are rabid rock and metal fans down there. And, and the music translates without everyone speaking the same language.
4: It's, it's awesome. It's the music. It's uh yeah, it's what gets the people moving. And the lyrics is, yeah, I just, it's either or. You can either be a music guy because there's guys that like the music and there's guys that don't even listen to the lyrics. So yeah, it could be either or.
2: I remember back in the day that we were playing this song by Puya. And I think it was Sal Pafuera was the name of the song. And it's like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. This is real heavy kind of new metal song. Not a lick of English in any of it. <laughs> but the audience... Loved it because the music Moved them Non Points got some songs in Spanish Same kind of thing that it's gonna What's that
4: that one song Motov Anyways yeah that, that was a really big A hit and it's in Spanish and it's a rock song So yeah yeah it's crazy Yeah
2: Well, now that the band is out on the road and really starting to tour, you obviously, your home state is in Texas, so you've got dates all over this. Is there a place you guys haven't played in Texas yet? Because you're all over the place.
4: No, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we're starting to be all over the all over the United States now, so it's getting pretty crazy. It's getting really fun. It's getting really, really fun for sure.
2: Where are you guys hoping to tour? another country, wherever, that you just, you dream about being able to go?
4: Yeah, probably somewhere in Europe, if we can do that. That'd be a really awesome experience. Japan, that'd be so cool, just to do that.
2: Rabid rock fans there.
4: Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard nothing but that, so. That'd be so cool, just to bring our sound over there and see if they like it or not, you know?
2: Well, that's so. the thing, is that it's it, it all comes from that same rock vein, so I, I think they would love it, obviously, yep. be, because that's what's great about rock music is that there's kind of room for everything. For sure. All right. So you haven't played Boston yet.
4: No, nope, not yet.
2: So when you come to town, where can I take you? What do, you where do, do I have to try and find a good Texas barbecue place in New England? Like, where okay. do you want to go? Mm-hmm.
4: This entire tour, (laughs) this entire tour we've been on, I think every spot we've been to has served us barbecue.
2: And that's going to be so painful, right? Because it's probably all terrible because it's not as good as the stuff your mom makes.
4: Brooklyn barbecue is pretty good. Brooklyn? Yeah. If you can think, yeah, it's nuts.
2: Here in Boston, we can't let New York do anything better than us. That's just fucked up. So that's not happening.
4: Well then, hey, maybe I need to go to a barbecue spot in Boston.
2: <laughs> but if we were going to if, if I were going to take or you not. somewhere like are you a seafood guy? A New England seafood guy? Obviously, I grew up Italian, so like there's amazing Italian. Do you like Italian food?
4: Yeah. I'll let you take me wherever you want. To, wherever you want to take me, we'll go eat.
2: All right. Well, yeah. when you guys finally book a date in Boston, I will take you on the Mistress Carrie tour of Boston. And I will try and find a place that will rival Brooklyn for culinary delights because I can't let the New Yorkers win.
4: All right, deal. That's a deal.
2: Um, before I let you go, we gotta talk about what we started talking about at the beginning. How are your Cowboys going to do this year, and how are my Patriots going to do this year?
4: Well, hell, they ain't got Brady anymore. And my trust cowboys. me, I know.
2: Trust me, we know. <laughs> Do you think we don't hey, feel that pain every day?
4: Hey, my Cowboys made some bad moves. I'm taking away some players, and oh, man. You know, I don't even know if I'm going to watch this season. Yeah, I am. I'm <laughs> going to watch it 100%. I'm going to. And yell at the TV knowing that, hey, we may not win this game.
2: That is okay. what makes, like, the New England Damn. region such passionate sports fans because obviously lately we've been on a good run. But good. for a long time – we couldn't find a trophy with a flashlight and a paper bag. And it's that embracing the suck, like yeah. suffering together year after year that oh, galvanizes. It's been 20
4: something years <laughs> since the Cowboys got one. So it's cool. You know, That's it's what hilarious. I mean. That's
2: what I'm talking about. That like you suffer for so long. And then when you actually get good, it's why you're insufferable to everyone else because you're like, Finally. That's why Pats fans have been so obnoxious. We waited a long freaking time. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had to watch Brady walk out the door and go to Tampa. Oh my gosh,
4: I know. And win another one
2: in Tampa. (laughs) It's
4: in y'all's face. Hey, you know, it is what it is.
2: Did, do you Did think that? Mac Jones is going to be good, though? Do you think he's got the potential to go someplace? As an outsider, because I know you don't like the Pats, so I know you'll give me an honest answer, and aren't just going to be a homer that's like, he's going to be great. Um, I don't know. Maybe give him a couple years. You, know? <laughs> you can't even keep a straight face. You just, you're trying to let me down easy. You want to tell me my Pats are doomed, and you just don't have the heart to do it.
4: It's okay, because, hey, you know, the cows <laughs> are not that great either, so I don't have any room to talk at all.
2: <laughs> it has been yeah. so nice getting to know you today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me.
4: You bet. Thank you so much for wanting to hang out with me. So, yeah.
2: Um, Give me the rundown on what's up with the band. When is there more new music coming? When are more tour dates coming? Get all the business stuff out of the way so I don't get yeah. yelled at by management that we didn't talk enough business.
4: Yeah, no. So all that's coming very soon. Uh. So, yeah, I don't know if I want to say anything yet, but the album is, it's finished. And uh, we're just waiting on to see if we can, you know, all that press, whatever bullshit that they, you know, whatever.
2: Hey, don't call the press bullshit. I'm right here in front of you. No, that's
4: not what I mean. This is not (laughs) what I mean. But yes, interviews are fun. This is cool. I love this.
2: Okay, thank you.
4: Yeah, all the other stuff behind it, like having a, you know, whatever, stuff that, that, I get to do the fun stuff, like talking to you and talking to people. They have to do the, you know, finding and searching and, hey, you know.
2: So. And the photo shoots, which are always not awkward at all.
4: Yeah, never, right? Yeah.
2: You should try <laughs> no, being a girl but... where they're like, wait, wait, your boobs don't look good. Like Turn to the side a little bit. We want to see your boobs a little better. <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted to ask you. Okay, one more question before I let you go. Okay. So... The video for Ramon Ayala. Yeah. Speaking of boobs, which is what reminded me to ask you the question, was it really your intention to, like, like pick up where Hot for Teacher left off? Was this, like, the evolution of this is what would have happened if the kid in the Hot for Teacher video was actually old enough to go home with the teacher? <laughs>
4: No, no, no. Because that's I never... what
2: I took it as like an homage to like a great Van Halen video is like you tipping the hat to Van Halen in a way. Was that not your intention at all? 100% though,
4: yes. Okay. Some of that, yes, 100%. The, the whole little, you know, because it's really cool. And I felt like videos nowadays, you know, everybody takes everything so seriously. It just It's still fun. Like everybody gets to have fun. Everybody just needs to relax and just chill. Who cares? Just relax, relax, you know, just enjoy it. So, you know,
2: have so, a good time.
4: That's it. That's it. Life's too short not to have a good time. So yeah.
2: Well, if I can't I can wait. That
4: little, yeah. I'm excited for the uh, next music videos that we have coming out that are, that are awesome. So.
2: I can't wait to get you guys up so I can see you live in Boston. And my offer stands for okay. the Boston sightseeing and uh dinner to be disclosed later so hopefully you'll be announcing some more tour dates soon so we can see you
4: yeah 100 um i know we're gonna finish this tour out i think we're done uh i don't know a few more days and then we're home for a couple more and then we're off again at a state so yeah if i I wish i had a calendar in front of my face so i could tell you
2: (laughs) it's that's that's my job. I'll, uh, I'll I'll keep track of your dates for you. When I find out you're coming to town, I'll call your big your yeah. famous manager and make sure that we got time for dinner. Do it. All Do right. it. It was such a pleasure to meet you. Congratulations on everything.
4: Thank you so much, Carrie. I appreciate you having me on your show.
2: Of course. It was nice to meet you and I'll see you soon. Yes, ma'am. And I won't take you to put pineapple on your pizza. I learned that lesson the hard way today.
4: All right, bet it's okay. It's okay if you eat pizza. It's okay if you eat pineapple pizza, yeah. All
2: right. All right, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Later. There he is, Giovanni Inez from Giovanni and the Hired Guns. And if you're not familiar with their music, you got to click the link to the corresponding playlist of this week's episode. Check out the show notes of episode 116. You'll find the link to the playlist. And you'll also find all of the links to find Giovanni and the Hired Guns online. And you'll find all the links to find Mistress Carrie online as well. If you like what you heard, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, you get the sit-rep every weekday with all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info. And you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can also check out mistresscarry.com and shop in my official online store. Everything from hoodies, tank tops, t-shirts, beanies, pint glasses, beer koozies, and so much more. Every Tuesday night at 830 Eastern, you can join me for my live video show called Cocktails in the War Room on my official Facebook page. And you can listen to the Mistress Carrie radio show nationwide. Get all the details at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon podcast network.